This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey, guys. Well, today I am going to be talking with my friend and fellow writer and 
podcaster, Megan Francis, and we are talking about divorce and co-parenting. And we go in on that topic. We talk about everything from what the pandemic has been like as a co-parent to dating to getting along with our co-parents. So if you're divorced or you know someone who is and want to better support them, it's a great conversation. Um, and then BJ and I are going to be chatting about the difference between boundaries versus ultimatums or threats, because there is a difference, but it's it's a tricky balance. And so we get a lot of questions in our Facebook community about how do I set good boundaries? How do I deal with toxic family members? We're going to try to hone in on that and help better define that. But first, I'm here to chat with Rue. Hey, Rue. Hey, Kristen, how are you? How's your self-care? Um, It's okay. Mm-hmm. I will say it's interesting being, you know, almost two years into doing this podcast about self-care. Um, and I thought it would magically make me amazing at it. <laughs> but, you know, I do find myself in the same insomnia stress loop that I was in when I started it. Mm. Um, so I actually started seeing a therapist again. I just was feeling like I just have some patterns that I can't really get out of. And I know that like writing a book didn't help. And I know that being in the middle of a pandemic didn't help. And I'm just not able to on my own, just get out of that loop of just, you know, having a lot of anxiety during my day, not being able to sleep at night, and then starting again the next day. So I'm hopeful. Um, but yeah, it feels it feels good to kind of have taken that step for myself and found someone which is never easy. And in fact, we're going to be talking about that on a future episode, um, BG and I about how hard it is to find a good therapist. But yeah, I feel good. I feel hopeful to just kind of dig into my stuff again. Well, good for you for recognizing that and taking yeah. action on it because sometimes like I and I did this last year where I said, "Okay, I need to find a therapist." And then I did not have the wherewithal to actually yeah. do it, and I needed to take a couple months before I said, "Okay, now I'm going to look for a therapist." Yes. So, I'm glad you're doing that, and guess what? Um I just started seeing a therapist again, too. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I'm working on this work project, and yeah. it is... Um, so overwhelming. It, right, and it's heavy. And yeah. so I decided that a weekly download with someone um, where I can just sort of yeah. lay it all out there has been, w- would be helpful. And it yeah. has been so far. Um, I have uh, seen this therapist before. I really like her. Um, but it has been a while since I saw her last. So we kind of had to do the whole, mm-hmm. okay, here's everything again, kind of like a, a, a redo the intake. But even though I'm still feeling a bit... You know, I'm still trying to get my systems in place. It's nice to have that person where I can just kind of unload on. Um, and so that feels really good. In that same vein, um, you know, I do have a weekly text chat. And I know I spoke about this before, a weekly text chat with a friend. And even though that's not therapy, it's nice to have yeah. connection with someone. So I've, I'm still doing that. And that feels really good, too. That's good. You want to hear something crazy about me, fi- like, finding my therapist? Tell me. We start talking and he's like, I've seen you before. Oh. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I saw you in your 20s. And then he outlined the issue that he saw me for. Like he had the perfect memory of it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wait. Oh, like he saw you before as in you were his patient before. Yes. 
Oh my god! And I had no memory. I mean, I remember going to therapy for this issue. But um, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, obviously, just whatever search parameters brought me to him before. <laughs> like, so weird. And he, he had like a steel trap memory of the whole situation too, which was really interesting. That's so, but, but you're glad you're with him now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yay. We just skipped over like all the backstory. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, the first 20 years. So yeah, let me catch exactly. you up. That's cool. It's totally. Well, what Although do you have? It's crazy for- to me that I could have seen a therapist 20. I'm like old enough that I saw a therapist 20 years ago. Well, I, what's interesting, too, is 20 years ago, it's not like you were looking on psychology today. No. Like, how did you find him? Um, good question. I mean, probably the internet in some kind of roundabout way, I guess. I don't know. Really? But, the internet 20 years ago? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, we like had an, the internet in 2001. I, no, I know. But like AOL? I mean, I don't know. It just... Uh, Rude. Yeah, no, as I, we discovered in our last episode, we had Fly Lady in 2001. <laughs> so you're forgetting <laughs> that we did have the internet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We also had GeoCities. You're right. My bad. My bad. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't remember how I found it before. Maybe it wasn't the internet. Maybe it well, was a referral. Fe- well, that feels like nice witchy kismet. I know. It did. It did. What do you have for two thumbs up? Okay. So I have I have really dark hair. And I just, as a rule, I just don't ever want to touch it. Because, I mean, I always look at people like, you have beautiful hair. And lots of people that have like varying colors in their hair. I think it's so pretty. It's like a lot of dimension. And so I always think, maybe I should highlight my hair. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should change it up. And then I always feel like I shouldn't because I'll regret it. Because my hair, when I highlight it, it pulls really red. Mm, And I just mm -hmm. want different shades of brown. You know what I mean? So I got it highlighted and I explained this. And it ended up pulling red anyway. And because I'm working on this project and I had to go out of town, I just did not have time to deal with it. Totally. So I ended up doing like one of those Target Kristen S. glosses. And then a friend told me about – she said you should get green shampoo. And I've heard oh. of purple I've heard of purple shampoo, yeah. which I'm sure you've used before with your yes, blonde hair. All the time. Um, but green shampoo is for and so I got matrix green shampoo and it's for people with dark hair to pull any of those red tones out. So no I way. have been Yeah. And it can be like, you know, those shampoos can be a little drying and it um and they are. And they come with a conditioner and I have to do like a deeply conditioning mm-hmm. treatment. But it is keeping the red out of my hair, which makes me very happy. And one day I will figure out how to have some variation in my hair color without um getting frustrated. I am starting to get grays too. Um where I'm at the point, you know, I have like at this point maybe 40 grays and I am mm-hmm. honestly just yanking them out like a, you know, <laughs> in, in my bathroom mirror. So, but the green shampoo is a game changer for me. So I've been using that. I've been using the Kristen S. I should link to that too. The Kristen S hair glosses and mm-hmm. that's it. I'm not like, I still don't want to set foot in a salon at this point. I'm loath to do no, it. No, I haven't done it either. So yeah, that's that's just what I'm doing, and that's I cool. I'm I did glad not that know I found it. that green would do that. Like I had no idea. Yeah, well, I guess I mean I guess that makes sense with it the color sense. wheel. Yeah. Like when you do when you do purple, it's because mm-hmm. you want to get like the you don't want your hair to be yellow. You want it to be blonde, yep. right? So exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm using that the shampoo and the conditioner, and then I'm deep conditioning as well because my hair tends to be dry. And then the other thing I have is, um, and I'm probably, I'm probably saying enough that people can start putting pieces together, but 
I have to wear makeup more these days um, for work reasons. And I am, you know, my my face just isn't used to a lot of makeup. So I have been using once in a while the um, Dr. Dennis Gross Alpha Beta Peels. Hmm. And you can get them in like a jar where it's it's basically like a little cloth that you rub on your face. But I find that if you buy, buy the pack of, you know, 50 or whatever, it gets it, – it dries out. And it's also really pricey. And I don't do this very often. So I just get the individual packets. Mm-hmm. And I will do it maybe, you know, once a week. And that seems to be helping calm my skin down. So it has so many great reviews on Sephora and Amazon and everywhere else that I feel like if you try it, it's a low chance that you'll hate it. You know Interesting. what I mean? And what does it do? Just kind of slough off – yeah, and I feel like I wake up with like brighter skin or mm-hmm. if, you know, you know, it's like you wear makeup and then you break out and then you have to wear more makeup to cover up the breakouts and then yeah. you're wearing a mask on top of it and it's just chaos. So I feel like this is nice and I'll I'll um do the beta peel and then I'll just, you know, put a lot of moisture moisturizer on my face. Right. And the next day I feel like I see a difference. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's cool. I have to try that. Well, how about you? What do you have for two thumbs up? Okay, my first is this delightful hair clip that I found while perusing for jeans on Target, which I'm going to totally sidetrack for a minute and talk about something that I mentioned in the Facebook group, which is, so I I order our jeans for this entire family from Target, like all the girls want jeans, right? And there's a lot of us. And so what I've been doing in the pandemic, because dressing rooms are closed is I just I order a gob of jeans, and we try Mm -hmm. them on and we take half of them back, right? Right. So the last time I took the jeans back, the lady was like, well, you know, we can't resell these. I mean, she took them back. Like, she processed the claim, but she was like, you know, we can't resell these. And my immediate response was, are you serious? Because – Yeah, you're just going to toss these? Yeah. Right. Like, I've been contributing to a landfill for the last year. Like, this is how I've been shopping. Like, are you serious? And she was like, I'm pretty sure. But when she said, I'm pretty sure, I was like, okay, well, (laughs) sounds like you're not sure. (laughs) Right. It sounds like you're scolding me for bringing clothes back. So I did go to Twitter and ask the question and Target answered and they're like, yeah, we resell those jeans. (laughs) Like they go back on the floor. Yeah. Well, every store that I've seen, it's like – or if you go – I was – I don't know where I was shopping, but there was a rack that said these returns, don't put them on the floor until X date. And that's what they said. They said we put them into quarantine, so to speak. You know, for a couple of days and then they go back on the floor and they're sold. So you can shop without feeling like, you know, if you return something, you're just, you know, contributing to landfill waste. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for that digression. No, no, no. I, I appreciate that because I think that a lot of people have been wondering that in general. Like, yeah. I even feel bad. Like, I feel badly bringing – if I buy makeup and it doesn't quite match, I do feel badly bringing it back because I know, I know they're not going to resell it. I know. Just I always feel it. bad about that one. So I would, uh, yeah, it would, it would break my heart if it was, you know, every time I wanted to bring jeans back, it was just going in the trash when, you know, totally. yeah, that would, that would be, that would feel awful. So anyway, yada, 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 I'm on Target al- online and, you know, you buy something and it's like, you would like this. And so it was this adorable hair clip. It is like geometric shapes on the clip and it's a really hef- hefty clip. Like it's big. Like big enough to hold back a good chunk of hair. And so I ordered it and they are just the cutest things. And I wear them like almost every day. And it's like, uh, it's hard to explain. I mean, obviously I'll put a picture up and a link up, but it's like 
a little square, a little circle, a little square, and then a little half circle um, that are gold um, sitting on top of the clip. Oh, that sounds cute. Super cute. Well, you know, half circles are like all the rage right now. Right. <laughs> right. Isn't it Sometimes funny? It's like half circles are like everywhere. Like, yeah, I'm trying to like every pa- like pattern blankets and yes. just on social media. Everything and, yes. unminted is just like three half circles in a row. Right. Right. Colors. Um, and then I have a snack that I want to recommend. And it's one that I actually order on Amazon. Um, have you ever had the Olo's olives? They come in like all they're like a little individual serving size of olives. But they're in packets, in, right? Yes, and they're fancy flavors. So they they yes. do like a knockoff at Trader Joe's. Um, but they have like basil and garlic and like chili, and it's just like a perfect little salty snack that I feel like is relatively healthy. And it's you know maybe ten olives, uh, but I love them. Like love them. I think I got into these, or I discovered them. You know, w- one point in my life where I tried doing a whole thirty. And they yes. are recommended, like those olives in a bag. Yes. Which I like. I mean, I know it's, I know people would say that it's wasteful, but I love a pre pack, a pre portioned snack. I do too, because I, I really have no like self control. Right. And I also have, I'm like terrible at gauging. I'm like, oh, this yep. looks like one serving. Oh, you mean it's four? Well, damn. You oh, know. No. I know. Or, oh, I, now I have a stomachache because I ate an entire thing of olives. <laughs> um, my favorite flavor of theirs is lemon and rosemary. Oh, that sounds so it's good. Really good. But yes, I think I also like you discovered them while doing like keto. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> but now one I'm of not those. and they're just really yummy. Yes. Well, I mean, I feel like like I don't really I I I would no longer not that I ever did, but I wouldn't promote like the whole 30 or keto or any of those that can seem really um Mm-hmm. Restrictive, I don't know. yeah, restrictive. But there are some takeaways that I've that I've used that are yeah. now just a part of my life. Me so too. I feel like that that's good. Like having a couple of those. I eat like this high protein bar, like still like every week because I found it doing I don't know one of those. Which um, one? Um, it's Bear Bells. Oh, I never had. It's that the one. Bear Bells. Because I was trying to gain muscle mass mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I was talking to this nutritionist who said, you need, you know, 110 grams of protein a day, which is like six chicken breasts or whatever. Like I, I would only be eating chicken breasts. So I found, um, I found this protein bar. It's called the bar, the Bear Bell Salty Peanut. And it's just, it doesn't taste too fake. I'll eat it with like half a banana mm-hmm. and that'll be a meal. And so, Yes, I I thank my experimenting with keto for that one. (laughs) I love it. All right, we are going to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor, and then we will be back talking divorce and co-parenting with Megan Francis. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show, and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription. 
but it's 20 times more potent than the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon, so if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. In our Facebook community group, we talk a lot about eye creams. And Rue and I got the Total Eye Lift from our sponsor, Clarence, recently, and it is fantastic. It's a plant-based formula. It's fueled by ingredients of 94% natural origin. It has a combo of organic herangana extract and cassie flower wax, which gives a visible lifting and wrinkle smoothing effect. 
and it's packaged in a really nice eco-friendly airless bottle made of recycled glass. I'm a sucker for packaging and this one is a good one. What I also really like about it is that it's an all-in-one. It does it all. It works on crow's feet, dark circles, and puffiness. It's also an anti-aging cream. You can take aim at a whole bunch of issues at once. I also have really sensitive eyes. I've talked about that before. And this one is suitable for all kinds of skin types, including us sensitive folks, even people who wear contacts. 80% of women who've tried it reported a visible eye lift in 60 seconds, and 86% noticed a visible difference in four weeks and visibly firmer skin. I can attest I've really noticed a difference as well. Discover more about Clarins products at clarinsusa.com and get 10% off your purchase of Total Eye Lift with the code SELFIE10. That's clarinsusa.com, C-L-A-R-I-N-S, USA.com, and get 10% off of the Total Eye Lift with the code SELFIE10. Well, we are going to be chatting with Megan Francis. She is she is a co-host of the podcast, The Mom Hour. She's the founder and CEO at Life Listened, um, and she is a longtime friend. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kristen. This is exciting. Well, I want to ask you quickly, um, because I'm curious, I know you're starting a new podcast this month. I I am. So that will, I think by the time this airs, it, if everything has gone to plan, um, (laughs) it will have launched by then. And it's actually called Mother of Reinvention, which is kind of, um, the rebrand, I guess, of my personal blog that I've been going with. And, and it's just this idea that, you know, I'm in my forties now. And I think so many of us in this kind of, blogging world started when we were maybe in our early 30s and had Mm -hmm. small children. And now I'm looking around saying, okay, wow, we've all, things are changing. People are getting divorced. People are changing careers. Um, People are changing back into the careers that they had before. Like they're going on health and wellness journeys, different spiritual journeys. Like there's so much change happening kind of in this age range that we're in. Um, and so we're not like those young moms anymore, but we're not also kind of at the next phase. We're like in this very in-between phase. And I think of it as like the, the reinvention phase. So I'm really excited about that because it allows me, um, you know, in the mom hour, we don't do a lot of interviews. And so it, it, it'll give me the opportunity to, to dive in and talk to some dynamic women who are doing cool things. And I'm excited about it. I love that. I know we both met each other in those sort of, young child mommy blogger days. Yes. Um, And then (laughs) now we both are moms of teenagers. How have you kind of changed because your kids have gotten older in terms of being a blogger? So I was never really, um, I was never really a super confessional blogger. And I'm not going to say that that was necessarily like by choice or any strategy. I think I was just more comfortable in the realm of talking about my kids in a more generic way. And I think I also kind of felt like we didn't have that much interesting things, like that much interesting stuff happening for me to talk about. And I, so like there was that sort of lifestyle blogger type that was kind of becoming more the, that was the direction things were going when I was starting to get out of blogging. So like in, you know, 2011, 12, 13, things started getting very Pinteresty. And I really kind of felt like on that was not where I was going to compete. I was always more yeah. of an essayist. Um, yes. And I just, yeah. And so I, it, for moving into podcasting was a very natural um, transition for me because I like to talk. I, I always feel confident about what my voice is doing. I don't always feel confident about how my kitchen looks, like stuff like that. So um, I really, and like, I'm not a photographer. So I really started moving in that direction. But I did realize that at some point, and I've been podcasting now for a total of about eight years, um, but more seriously, like as my main thing for about five and a half now. So 
I did realize after a while, like, oh, I really miss the art of writing. I really miss the craft of writing. And there are stories I want to tell that I now have to figure out a way to not identify the person I'm talking about um, mm. or talk about it in a more general way, which comes really in handy having five kids. I know you can just, you can just, you can just, you can just kind of say, oh, my child was going uh-huh. through this issue. And you don't, you don't have to say when it happened or what their, you know, which like age range it was or what their gender is. Like you can be a little more vague, but that's hard to do when you're living it. And yeah. I felt like when I was living it, I didn't have enough distance between what was happening day to day. And like, I couldn't really take that like hundred mile view and, um, put that context around it. So I'm kind of glad I just kind of sidestepped for a little bit. I think it took some of the pressure off. And I also got a divorce during that time, which I know we're going to talk about. And a lot of stuff happened in my life while I had sort of exited blogging. And I think that took, it just took the pressure off of me. And now that I'm back, I can, I feel like I can kind of shape it because it's not something I'm doing. Um, The podcast is what it is, but it's definitely not something where I'm talking every week about what my kids are doing. Because on the mom hour, our audience is much younger. They have like little kids. So I can just kind of wax, you know, nostalgic Mm -hmm. about what what I remember life being like when my kids were two or four. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of that is not as accurate as I think, but um, (laughs) it never is. No, right. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel like I can kind of find a new voice. that's more about me than about my, about my kids, which is kind of a good place to be. Yeah. Well, you and I have two things in common. One is that we have a lot of children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the other is that we both got divorced right around the same time. Um, So talk to me about that, you know, and being a single mom, which I'm sure you never anticipated, you've got kids. I mean, you've got kids who are in their 20s. And and then your youngest is 12. She's 11. She's almost 12. She'll be 12. Yeah, she'll be 12. By the time this airs, actually, she turns 12 next week. So So you've got um, a big range of kids. How how has that been as you transitioned from married to single mom? Um, you know, it's been now about four years for me since it all kicked off and mm-hmm. then three years since it's been finalized. Mm-hmm. And a lot has happened. I mean, if you look at where my family was then, um, my oldest had just graduated and my youngest was seven, um, mm-hmm. going on eight years old. And like, so she was a really little kid. And then I had sort of this middle group of kids. And then, I, you know, so like the little bookends there and, at that point, gosh, it was just about like, how do I create the sense of normalcy? How do I create stability and security? And I was laughing the other day because one of the very first things I had done was I bought on Amazon a huge refrigerator magnet that had like the days of the week. And we have kind of an interesting split where, well, now we're kind of like five days on, two days off. But for a long time, we were essentially three days on, four days off. So it'd be like, we always would have the three of the same day. So I would always have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and he would always have Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, but then we mm-hmm. swung Saturdays. And so I would every week very faithfully write down mom, dad, mom, you know, mom, 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 dad, 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 mom, or whatever, however it looked on the calendar. And that's been on my fridge now for four years. And it, the other day I looked at it and I thought, man, when was the last time I even erased that thing? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's not, do I need it anymore? I don't think I need this anymore. No one's looking at it. Like someone's, there's a picture that someone drew in art class of a piece of cheese that's like stuck over it with magnets. And <laughs> I was just laughing about like how 
important that was to me and to them then that Mm -hmm. they understood what was happening and that both parents were in it together and that we were communicating. And now how much of it's just become like normal life and we don't think about it anymore. And I think it's time for me to like throw that magnet away. It's ugly. It's old. It's it's like all like, you know, the Sharpies or the dry erase markers not wiping off anymore. But (laughs) a part of me doesn't want to peel it off the fridge because it's still symbolic of something. I just don't know what. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I just think that there's like, um, it's been a huge transition and it took so much longer than I thought it would. And everyone said when I was getting divorced, it's going to be two years before you feel normal and even longer than that, then you feel good. And I'm such an optimist and like, kind of like a, like overachiever. I'm like, nah, not for me. For I'll me, it's going to be like two. Yeah, it's like for me, it's going to be like two months, and then I'm going to feel super normal, and then in like a year, I'm going to be amazing, and then within like a year and a half, I'm going to be you know rich and remarried, and my life is going to be <laughs> super great. And I mean, Kristen, that's not how it turned out. Interesting. <laughs> Did this surprise so you? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I know. Well, I was the yeah. same way, of course. I mean, yeah. I'm like, you know, Enneagram three, like, no, I'm going to nail this divorce thing. I'm going to be fine. And no, I would say it was two years of floundering, like, yes, just a free fall. Yeah. And then when you come out on the other two years, uh, and I will say it was about two years, not like everything just nothing fixed itself at the two year mark. It's just kind of like I came up for air and was like, Oh, so this is what life is going to look like going forward. I get it. And, and you never I couldn't have gotten myself there because I didn't know what I didn't know. I know that's such a cliche. There's no way anybody could have said, but here's how it's going to feel. It's going to feel like you're there, but you're not. And you're going to, you know, you're going to make bad choices because you're going to think you're moving towards something you don't even want. And like, I, there's no, I could not have skipped it. There was no yeah, skipping it. There was just muddling through it. So yeah, you just yeah. have to walk through. That's the only way. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we both got a divorce. We both had our two years of shit show. Floundering. And then we yes. found our feet. <laughs> and then a pandemic right. happened. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about how the pandemic has been for single moms. And I want to acknowledge from the get go, you and I are both single moms, but we both have active co-parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. At some level. And so I do want to acknowledge just right from the beginning that privilege and, and acknowledge that I know that we have listeners who are single parenting completely alone, which I think has to be the very most difficult situation in a pandemic. Oh my gosh. Um, I know. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, on the mom hour, we actually just did a series about solo parenting is, mm-hmm. is how we referred to it. And mm-hmm. and the reason we did that is because like those terms, um, it is so hard. Like I've never truly felt like a single parent the way I know I would feel if I had like a two-year-old and a baby and no dad around. And right. so like, I don't, almost don't, I'm a divorced mom and I'm a single woman. Right. Uh-huh. But like, I'm not a single mom in the way that like a truly alone person might feel. So yeah. I, I do feel like words matter and, yeah, and terms matter. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Um, but still it is hard. And I will say for me, like probably the hardest part was right when they started closing everything down a year ago. Mm-hmm. And at least, and I know state to state, it was very different, but even if you weren't in a state that had restrictions, like everybody kind of knew what like the, the right mm-hmm. thing to do was. Mm-hmm. And when people started talking about, not leaving your household, not mingling with anyone outside your household. I'm like, all I've got is my kids and they're not even here half the week. Yeah. It got to the point where I was excited when my ex-husband showed up at the house to pick them up. Cause like, I was like <laughs> a puppy human. dog, like, hi, 
Yes. I'd be like, hey, you want to come in? Hey, you want to drink? Like, let's talk. And he's like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get the kids and go. But it, there was this like, almost like a panic because I am a social person. And I thought, I'm just going to be alone for like mm-hmm. three or four days at a time. And how am I going to deal with that? And, and fortunately, um, people figured out ways to still be social without having to leave the house mm-hmm. and stick to the way that we had been. But I am very lucky that I didn't have little kids in diapers or none of them got terribly ill. I, I kept worrying, what if I get really sick? Like, what am I going to do? There's yeah. no one to, to take care of me. Uh, so yeah, I think that's hard on a single parent. And it's especially hard if you're truly, truly single, like truly mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah. It's so interesting though, because I hadn't really thought about, I I think I have my kids more than you do in a week. Um, and so I didn't experience that loneliness of like when they go off because my right. time's a little bit shorter. You're like, please go. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, my real struggle has been, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. Yeah. Like the, you know, they're, they're never not underfoot. And so that's interesting. And, and it totally makes sense. Just that loneliness for a lot of people in a lot of, in right. a lot of different life scenarios of just not being able to go outside your household. It feels like my house is so full. Um, yeah. but for people who, you know, for varying reasons, they're single without children or, you know, divorced and co-parenting, just to have that empty house. Um, I would imagine that to be really unsettling in the middle of this. Yeah. And when my kids were really little, my now ex-husband traveled a lot. So he would be gone sometimes for weeks or months at a time Mm -hmm. working well. And that was when I was really in the thick of it. So me being on my own with a lot of kids was kind of like understandable to me. I'd been through it before and that didn't bother me. It Uh was more the like, if they're not here, like the days that they go with their dad has always been kind of a weird transition day for me. I am getting past that. But for years, like Wednesday afternoons, I knew after school Wednesday, he'd pick them up and take them. And it was like, well, now what do I do with myself? Okay. So the caretaking part of my week is over. Uh Now what? It's Uh Wednesday. So I'm not going to be like probably out. (laughs) It's like, what do I do? And it was like that, but way more pronounced because it just was longer and there was no outlet. So, um, but the loneliness, I think, I would sit in my house and look around and think, you know, look out my out my window and I can see seven or eight other houses just looking out my window right now. And I think, I wonder what the people in those houses are doing. Are they alone? Yeah. Like, who do they have in that house? And yeah. now we've been in this for a year. It's yeah. just, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then how about co-parenting for you guys? I mean, I know one of the biggest struggles for us with COVID was just having different uh, risk level comfort, yeah. you know, comfort level in terms yeah. of risk. And, you know, it, it was easier at the beginning when we were locked down by the state, you know, like we were under right. shelter in place and that was what everyone was expected to do. But then that lifted and then it was kind of like, oh, I guess everybody has to decide for themselves. And my ex and I had really different value systems there. Yeah. Well, and I think that one thing I've learned about this is that everybody has a different idea of like their relative risk or like what, like how, how careful they're actually being. I think we tend to, we tend to inflate our own safety (laughs) levels and like downplay others. So, 
Um, the thing that was kind of frustrating for me is that I we live in a small town, the kids and I, which has done really well keeping things under control. Like mm-hmm. we've really, um, they've been back in in person school for a couple of months. They're really schools have not been a spreader situation. There have been some like dumb high school parties where like then there's mm-hmm. like quarantines happening, but it doesn't seem like schools or small gatherings are the things making those making the spread yeah but then my ex goes into a big city to work where it's completely different he works in chicago which has like been just a mess yeah and he works around like like elderly people and so i'm like oh man like we're over here working really hard to keep it safe but then the kids are with you and then that means anything they bring to you, you're bringing to these old people or you bring back, you're giving to them. And it was, I have no control over that. And it was like nothing, it didn't matter how much I locked down here. It right. almost became like, um, like we were kind of fighting back and forth a little bit about who was going to get to have a little more of a life. Like, was it going to get to, mm-hmm. were the teenagers going to get to be the ones that had more of a life or was it going to be him having to figure out a, a different way to work around his clients or like, how was that going to work? And I wouldn't say we had huge disagreements, but there's been tension about it. Um, yeah. Just like, what's the, or like the fact that he has um a girlfriend that he lives with half of the week who is immunocompromised. And so part of me, the petty part is like, well, I don't care. <laughs> Like, she's not my problem, you know, but like, that's not fair. And that's, right. that's me putting a, that's me putting a, um, projection on her because of how I might feel about her, not right. about how I feel about any human, right? Like any other human. So it's that, I think it brings out the best and the worst of us. And it brings out mm-hmm. the, um, it brings out the most in denial parts of us. And I was just remarking to my co-host Sarah today that I'm kind of cracking up on Facebook watching people talk about how excited they are to have their to get their vaccine because now they get to go out and meet people and hug them. And I'm like, girl, I saw you this summer. Like, I know what you did last <laughs> summer. I know you were out without a mask. I saw you. Like I I was and I so people have very short memories even about themselves and they have very like we all see things through a very skewed lens even when we're even when we're the ones living you know through that lens and so it's like how do we give even our ex-spouses grace and room i don't know it's like i don't know the answer it's tense um it's so tense (laughs) you know i think you know co-parenting relationships are just fraught by nature you know it's It's difficult. It's awkward. There's tension. All of the reasons that you divorced are still present when you're having right. these conversations about anything. Um, yeah. You know, you are not married anymore because you didn't get along generally. <laughs> or right. Some yeah. values differences. And those are still present in co-parenting. And I just, I feel like COVID just added 10 more questions to every mm. conversation, right? Like, yep. And just more opportunities for tension, more opportunities for awkwardness. I mean, like one of the things we dealt with, my ex is single and he's an extrovert and, you know, he's a guy who really enjoys dating around, um, mm. but also going out, you know, he's, we're very different on that. And, you know, all of a sudden we're in a pandemic and I'm having to ask him like, hey, I don't want to know how many people you're dating, but I need to right. know, you know, <laughs> right. like, what are Believe we Believe me, it's here? not information I'd like to have. Totally. But like, yes. I don't care. I have no personal investment in this, but I need to know how big your bubble is. Like, is your 
Is your bubble Tinder big? Is it, right. you know, like, <laughs> I mean, are, are we talking sex dungeons here or like, yeah, <laughs> like what's going on? Yes. And it was so uncomfortable. And then of uh, course he feels defensive and like, I'm being nosy right. and I'm like, I don't need names. I just need numbers. Right. Like, right. Yeah. But then also like, you know, is the person, so are you seeing, uh, stay-at-home mom or are you st- seeing a nurse like yeah <laughs> you know so then having to ask those I questions professions as well yes. yes yeah how big yeah. is their bubble you know what yeah what does their child's and how many how many are we talking about you know because he wasn't in a monogamous relationship throughout covid you know he was still dating right. around so it just made things so incredibly awkward to have to have those conversations but if i didn't have those conversations i just felt like Someone else is kind of like in charge of my risk level, you know, as you said, like no matter what I'm doing, my risk level is just is in his hands. Is it? Yeah. And also we're all doing this calculus all the time, Uh um, but we're all doing it with like inaccurate or incomplete data. So we don't have all the numbers we need. And even when we had all, even if he could name you, if he could say, I've been on 10 dates in the last month and those 10 people also went on five dates or whatever, even Mm -hmm. if you did the math, then you'd be like, okay, now what? Because it's not like we all had our personal COVID calculators that were able to tell us like, here's the acceptable level of bubble size. Like it was always very, um, well, because I guess that's the nature of a, pandemic with a newly emerging virus like yeah we don't know like nobody really knows no. so yeah you know you have to, exactly what do you yeah. then what do you do with that information so right you know at the beginning of covid my ex and i like there were a couple months where i was like i'm just not comfortable with your lifestyle like like he he and he and he was wasn't comfortable reining it in like Okay, yeah. if you're going on like multiple dates with strangers in a week and we are not seeing anyone, then I don't want to send fair. the kids over to your house, right? Like we're oh, making right. all of these yeah. sacrifices. You're making none. And so, and there were some really difficult conversations where my kids were asking him like, hey, we want you to lock down, you know. But at right. the same time, I, ha- I have so much empathy for his loneliness and his, you know. Yeah desire. So it was an ebb and flow for us. And there was a couple months there at the beginning where they were just with me 24 seven, and then he would visit with a mask on outside. Yeah, which oh, that's tough. And was rough. Yeah, you know, that that is rough. And the other thing that I think makes it really hard in a divorce situation, especially is that all of the things and, you know, not knowing what your relationship was like, um, I'm only projecting, but like, all of the things that make those arguments and disagreements somewhat tolerable sometimes in marriage are gone. Like yep. the ability to talk it out and then like watch a show together. So or, true. Like have a few minutes to like, like you soften the arguments with something with shared time or like yes. sex or a snuggle or whatever it is. That's gone. All you have is the conflict. There's nothing it's else so there. True. And it's, it's so like true. that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have all the responsibility of raising children together without any of like the, the stuff that makes it, I don't know, that make relationships work. Um, yes. And obviously you don't get there unless there's real problems anyway, but it's still, it's like another complicating factor. It is. It is. That's so true. And I think that's the thing that maybe people don't understand is, you know, when you're not together, you know, as you said, you no longer have those buffers, those things that sort of, 
make you feel warm towards another person. Um, And then, you know, you also have all the same issues. And when you're in separate houses, like a lot of times those issues get worse. So if there was a poor division of labor, for example, um, it's not going to improve when when that guy does not lo- live with you anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, he's not going to get yes. more involved in their education when he right. lives in a different house. <laughs> right, exactly. And you're no and, longer and like, any- speaking into things. Well, and anything other values, like say you have like huge political um, disagreements or mm-hmm. disagreements about the way kids should be to, should learn about certain things or whatever. There's not that middle ground you're both right. seeking. If you're in a relationship with that person, you're both, tr- uh, you know, you would think theoretically you're both working toward a middle ground. But then yep. seven separate houses, you get to each dig in on totally. your way, and that's that's the freeing and wonderful thing about divorce. Uh-huh. And it's also the really hard thing about co- uh-huh. co-parenting after totally. divorce because now you're both you're 100 percent, 150 percent yourselves. For yeah. better or for worse. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. It's so true. Yeah. And, and you, those differences do tend to polarize as you, as you're yeah. separated and not working towards middle ground. Yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Like my, I would say that my ex and I have some differences, you know, personality wise, and they have definitely both become more extreme as we've not been yeah. together. You know, well, it's like you were growing apart when you were married. And now that you're not married, you <laughs> like you're running like yeah. you're not just growing apart now. You're just apart. Like, like you're totally. both running toward the people that you were becoming yeah. because you have the freedom to do that now. Totally. Um, but gosh, like what an awkward place that puts you in, with, but puts us in with, especially with older kids, I feel like because they're so observant. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're like, they see it. They're kind of, they're the, like the, the quiet observers sometimes. Like they it's see so everything. True. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> what, um, what, what are some, pieces of advice either from experience or like don't do what I've done but you know what what have you learned about co-parenting that you could share oh gosh what um, works what doesn't work yeah so one thing that I've been accused of doing um not by my ex he would never accuse me of this because it wouldn't behoove him but is just like trying still to jump in too much and take care of things uh-huh and there it's very hard to find that balance like between yeah, between me just being like, I need this to get done. I'm just going to do it, which doesn't really give anyone else the opportunity to figure out how to do it. And I realize I'm not really a controlling person by nature, but I can be when I know like it's a means to an end. Like this thing has yes. to get done. Um, yep. I can become very much like the taskmaster and I, and, and just do it. And, and I recognize that, um, I recognize that tendency in myself. And I also see how that's bought me. It's I be, like bought myself a job, sort of, with my ex, hundred um, percent, and I continue right. to so do that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> so completely. I guess like it's baby steps getting away from that. I wouldn't yeah. say it, it's something you can just get over in a day, um, mm-hmm. but I definitely have started to find little ways to not, and and that might be as simple as really letting, especially now that I have teenagers, they can own something with him because yes. often it's something that they want too. Like yeah. my, my older two sons, my, not my oldest, but the ones that are uh, my high schoolers, my high school sons, they wanted, um, they wanted, they both want contacts. And I happen to live really far away from the optometrist. And like, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get it on the schedule for me to take them. Um, 
but my ex lives closer and he just has, when he has them, he has more free time. Like when I have them, I tend to be working at the same time and he'll have a couple days off. So I was like, okay, I need you to do this. And then it became like this like joke where it's like, you know, the optometry office is texting me about the appointments. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are you texting me? And I finally just kept saying to everybody involved in this process and like the insurance got involved and all this. And I was like, please don't call me about this anymore. Uh-huh. Please text uh-huh. my ex-husband. Yep. I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. And if the kids were like, mom, when are we going to go get our um, contacts? I'd be like, well, how bad do you want them? Because if you really want them, I mean, you have glasses, they're perfectly good. So if you really want these contacts, now here's what dad. I'm going to need you to do. <laughs> talk to your dad, get it on your calendar. Yeah. You hound him. It's yeah. not my job anymore. And really once I feel like once you kind of set that boundary and make it pretty clear you're not going to do something, the other person often will respond, maybe not to everything, but to that one thing. And that's like mm-hmm. one little victory. And then yeah. the next time, like you can build on that. And yep. I'm sure that's not the dynamic with every, but I think that moms in general, we have a reputation for doing the emotional labor and the logistical yep. labor, which yep. involves a lot of this stuff and divorce makes that worse. Um yeah, and I guess the other thing I yeah, so go ahead go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's it's so funny that you say that. I mean, that's absolutely our dynamic. But as you said, I think it's a lot of men and women's dynamics. I mean, I think women tend to be the over responsible with the parenting. Yep. Men tend to be under responsible, especially with scheduling and things like that. Um, and then you get a divorce, and then all of a sudden. We know with that other person not in the house, you can no longer be like, oh, can you grab this on your way home? Can you right. run them to this appointment? All of a sudden, it's like they're out of the picture. And it's kind of if, if you're not careful, it can really just all land on you. Right. Because they're, you yeah. know, again, they're no longer your partner trying to please you. They don't give right. a crap. They don't. And you just want to get it done. You know, you're a busy person. You just want to get it done. And yes. and I think what you when you end up, it's like when you have a four-year-old and you you think, well, I'll teach them how to clean up their room later because mm-hmm. it's easier for me to do it now. And then they're 14 and you're like, oh man, now it's smelly. And I wish I had just like kind of stuck to my guns a little bit and made them do it. So it's it's yeah. kind of, and I'm not comparing grown men to four-year-olds. Uh, I am. As, as overtly <laughs> as it may sound, but just like there are some comparisons, I think in the way moms tend to engage yeah. with them. Agreed. And I, I think the, <laughs> I think the other thing I would say is that, um, I do try to keep that lack of ability to reconnect in mind when we're like, when I start to, I tend to kind of be very emotional. I'm an Enneagram too. I find it very easy to get my feelings hurt or Mm -hmm. to feel like I've been in some way slighted or misunderstood or mis, you know, underappreciated. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes have to remind myself, even with my ex, that like, as weird as this relationship is, it's still a relationship and it is good for all of us if we can figure out a way to just stay friendly. So what does that have to look like for me? It doesn't have to mean Mm -hmm. we're best buddies and I don't have to like consult him about everything, but like, where's the boundary for me? And sometimes I tend to go too hard toward wanting to keep everything peaceful and friendly and calm and, you know, kind and all that stuff. And I end up doing stuff I don't want to do. But but I also don't want to go too far in the other direction where it like goes against my two-ness and then I just feel rotten because that would yeah. feel bad to me too. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it, there is like almost like an ex-management thing where you do know what hurts them and you do know what yeah. what makes them feel appreciated. And there's mm-hmm. nothing that says we can't make our exes feel appreciated, right? Like we're not – right. The, 
That doesn't mean we're longing for them or that we're still hung up on them, but it's just treating them as another human being and like not, you know, trying not to trigger them, trying to make them feel included, Um, you know, as much as we sometimes don't want to, I think it is still important to kind of get over ourselves a little bit. Yeah, I know. And I think that that's it. That is like so much of what happens during and in the aftermath of divorce is so polarizing. It's all about you, like get yours, you know, yeah. you have, it's like you have to maintain anger for the divorce to be valid or something. And yeah. I personally can't live like that. If I did, I would just be a really miserable person. I would rather go in the other direction, even if sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like a sucker sometimes. And again, it's not about not putting up a boundary. It's more about like, just how would I treat someone else that I maybe had like, an estranged but once very close relationship with like yeah. how can I channel a little bit of that yeah yeah but it's true I mean I, I I think there is almost like a pressure in the process of divorce both legally and socially that you're supposed to be at odds right like you're yeah separating things and you're fighting for finances or fighting for you know a custody agreement and it's it does kind of feel like every man for himself and then I don't know if you experienced this, but I I mean, even socially, like it felt like people were choosing sides when we didn't even ask them to, right? Right. Like, I don't. Sometimes you would even say, please don't, and they still would totally. I'm like, no, you've always invited my ex to this party. Keep inviting him. We don't care if we're in the same place. Like, we can be at a party. We we have to do Christmas together so we can be at a party for two hours together. Right. Um, And, you know, I mean, an example is my ex and I actually just took the kids on a trip together. And like, I had friends that were like, Oh, I think that's a really bad idea. But like, why? I mean, why is it a bad right. idea? Like you, you guys weren't going to end up like, you know, in the hotel room getting back together. Like, you know, well, no, I, I, we weren't. No, right. right. Yeah. And neither of us. I think that's where yeah. people, that's where people's minds go though. I, I think they probably do. Huh? People have a really hard time not seeing the movie version Yes. Of what this so could, true. how this could wind up. And, um, yeah, I've done Christmas with my ex, um, every year. And, you know, at some point it's going to change, but I don't regret any of the Christmases that we've done. And yeah, I think the kids like it and whatever. We can spend a night, you know, a, an evening and a morning hanging out and kind of like old times. And it's yep. not like I'm in a hurry to bring another family in to blend with or something. I mean, that's not, it's yeah. not, it's fine. It is fine. And we'll, we'll, we can all be a little more flexible. I think than yeah. we sometimes realize. But I think you're you're right. You know, we don't see a ton of even media examples of a healthy divorce. Usually they end up falling back into each other's arms. Right. Right. Yes. Like that's how it yep. ends. There was a show recently with Oliver Hudson, I can't remember the name of it, but it was about a divorced couple and like as the season was moving on, I'm like, they're going to end up back together and I'm just going to stop watching this. Like, right. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch sexual tension between exes. I, you know, that's no, just not, it's not, not your jam right now. No. Yeah, no, I know. I was just thinking about the other, um, the other day, the day that we told the kids we were getting divorced. So Clara, who was almost eight, she was actually, no, this was, this would have been in fall. So she was still solidly seven and a half. And she's like, well, I was thinking, you know, after she got done crying or whatever, she was like, I was thinking tonight we could ha- watch a movie and it, maybe it could be this movie I keep hearing about called The Parent Trap. Hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, what do you know about that movie? She's like, nothing. I don't know anything about it. And I was just laughing because I thought even my kid is trying to manipulate me with Disney. <laughs> like, so you know, funny. with this, like, this plot where the parents end up back together and we did not, we did do a movie night, but it was not that movie. Smart. I think that's wise. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> None of us were in an emotional place for that movie that yeah. night, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about for you, you know, being a single woman in the middle of COVID? I mean, how did you navigate dating and risk and all of that? Yeah. So I was very fortunate in that I started, I had started hanging out with the guy. Um, just like, I wouldn't even say we went on dates. We just kind of, we didn't even really meet on a dating app. It was like we met, um, on Facebook locally. This is what happens in small towns. It's like, I know his face. I bet mm-hmm. I've seen him out with people I know. And so then we connected on Facebook and then we saw each other on a dating app and then didn't date, but like talked to each other on it and then didn't date and then ran into each other. And this was like back in mid February of, of 2020. Um, and so we had hung out a few times as the world was shutting down. And he's also a divorced dad. So he had lots of time without his kids. And so we just started like going on hikes and hanging out. And but we didn't date for like six months. So we were just like, like he I called him my Corona Bay. Because he was <laughs> like, when no when I couldn't hang out with anybody else, and like everybody else was holing up in their houses with their families, and I was alone, I had at least someone to sometimes go, yeah. you know, hang out with or go do something with. And that's good. I did. Yeah, it was great. And I then I so it was kind of like I had talked myself into never needing it to be a romantic relationship. I was like, this is just he's just my buddy. And that's how it's going to be like. And then I started I briefly dated someone else over the summer when people were going and weren't really going out on dates, but like, we're doing things like backyard barbecues mm-hmm. where people were just kind of standing. Yeah, six we were feet dipping apart our toes into socializing right, exactly, again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was kind of short lived, especially because I live in Michigan and then the numbers mm-hmm. got bad again. But for a brief shining time yeah. over the summer, it almost felt sort of normalish for a minute there. And um, so I did kind of go on a few dates with this other person and that sort of kicked it over the edge with my buddy. And then mm. we've been together ever since. And so I feel so fortunate, honestly, because I had done a lot of the internet dating, like a lot of it. I think I went on dates with like, I, I did a tally at one point. I want to say I went out with 30 different people or something over the course of three and a half years, wow. mostly just kind of to try it out. Like I wasn't, I didn't have many, I had like maybe one or two relationships with a capital R and those only lasted a couple, like two, three months. Um, but I just wanted to meet a lot of people. That was something I got married really young and I was like, I just want this experience. And so I ended up like just exhausting myself on the apps and then was like, this is the, this is the pits. You've like, I've reached the end. (laughs) I've reached the end of the, well, it kind of does. I don't know how much internet dating you've done, but it does get to a point where when you're scrolling through these apps, you do kind of feel like, wait, I saw that guy before. (laughs) Did I get back to the beginning? Like, did I go through like literally all the way around the world to get back? And And you're um, in a smaller town. I mean, you are going to reach the end. Well, I had to really expand. Like, there's a joke mm. about not even keeping your radius small enough to attract local people. You got to go uh-huh. like to the next neighboring towns, otherwise the the pool is shallow and full of yeah. like bottom feeders. But um, <laughs> I just don't see myself ever going back to that. And I think if anything, what this last year taught me is that. It was easier to be alone than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like a two. I'm a social person. I mm-hmm. like my time to be filled with social so- socializing. But the spontaneity of actually just meeting someone and hitting it off was so much better, even though it took a really long time to turn into what I wanted it to, that like I think COVID kind of taught us all a little patience. So I don't know what other single moms are doing. Like I, I feel like in COVID times, it's got to be so hard. Maybe most people are just waiting it out. 
I don't know. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of yeah. people are. Or or if they've been lucky, you know, maybe they kind of made a companion of someone that they don't see themselves with forever. Yes. You know, just yeah, kind like of an situ- arrangement. Do they call it a situationship now? I think that's a what the situation. cool people are. Yes. yes. We're in a situation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. An yep. entanglement. Isn't that what a- An entanglement. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am – you know, I I do I did feel fortunate that my boyfriend and I are you know we're in a long term relationship, um, but it's interesting because they ended up moving in here right before COVID started, um, yeah. as a result of a flood at his apartment. Oh my gosh! Okay, and so it wasn't planned. You know, we weren't there. <laughs> it was it was more and like accidentally had a combined household. How convenient! <laughs> yes, and then all of a sudden yeah. now we're in. And, and, you know, now we're in a situation where we're all locked down at home. But I, right. I'm very fortunate in that I have a back house situation. So they're, they're kind of there. That's their living room. You know, they can kind of hang out in there. And so we not quite blended family yet. We're kind of parallel families, if that makes How sense. How old are his kids? Um, 14 and 19. So you've got some like staggering going on. We have three 14-year-olds in one house. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. a lot. Yes, a that's lot. a lot. Which is, you know, yeah. that's why it's been very, very fortunate that, you know, they kind of have their own space. And so, yeah. you know, we do a couple family dinners together every week, but then we also have nights where we just, they cook and eat and watch TV in the back house and we cook and eat and watch TV in our living room. And it's just, we, we kind of have our own family spaces. So that's, Oh man. Nice. Have you done an episode about that? Cause I need to hear that if, if so, I just because it's, yeah, I think that's so interesting. I, um, the guy I'm dating, his kids are, um, 16 and 18. And so two of, so his daughter and my, junior are good friends mm-hmm. now they've been in the same grade a long time but now they're hanging out independently and part of me is like ah oh, like could you guys just not hang out until we know for sure <laughs> like, right. i don't know like i don't want any awkwardness like, this is messy like- girls <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then um so i keep thinking about that like how do you merge families who are so ingrained in their own family identity you should do an episode about that like how do you keep your family culture which is really important to you as a single mom like yes you've worked hard for it you know but then you still want to be flexible and i know allow for change and all that so that sounds like a really good i need a back house i I should i'll tell you why i haven't done an episode (laughs) on it because it just feels really privileged to be like, well, my solution is have a house big enough where, you know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. That's just, very, very true. Like it doesn't well, but feel I, super <laughs> relatable. <laughs> you mean not everyone has like an, like an outbuilding that they yeah, can just like put yeah, another family just like, in? So, you know, yeah. the studio apartment that's behind your home can house that, you know. Well, at least like the, the old gardener's quarters. Totally. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I totally them in hear the you. pool cabana. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I mean, really, that has been my solution and it's just i realize very unrealistic for most people exactly yeah that i mean it would have been for sense. me it's just that this is this is the house that we happen to have and my ex lived back there for about a year yeah at yeah. the beginning yeah too. so it's that's right i remember you actually telling me that or at some point i knew that yeah I don't so why, it, that yeah. has served me very well um it's been really nice but yeah, it's I don't feel like I've had the typical experience of blending families because, you know, at any time we can choose to just not be around each other. <laughs> right. Yes, that makes sense. It's almost like we're neighbors. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do think, though, that I think if you polled your community, you would probably find that there were a lot of different creative ways people are handling it. Probably true. Um, You're probably right. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Um, Tell us where people can find you online. So the best, well, there's two places. You can go to um, my blog and website, which mm-hmm. is meganfrancis.com, M-E-A-G-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S.com, Megan with two A's, um, or the Mom Hour podcast, which you can find anywhere. Um, if you just go and type the Mom Hour into any old uh, app, you're going to find it. And I will be launching my podcast, which you'll also be able to find from any of the apps, or you can just go to my site and find it there. And I'm at Megan Francis basically everywhere else online too. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks, Kristen. This has been great. All right. It's time to talk with BJ Hickman, our resident therapist. So today we've decided we wanted to talk about topic of boundaries and toxic families. This was, again, another conversation that keeps coming coming up in our Facebook community group. But we wanted to hone in on the specific topic of what is the difference between a boundary and an ultimatum? Yeah. And we don't, it really isn't healthy for us to issue ultimatums. No, that's controlling. It is. It's not effective. It's not beneficial. And it, they don't really work. Um, they're, they're punitive. And so, um, I, but I think it is really confusing to people. We talk about boundaries. People think they know what it means to set a boundary, but very often they're, when they describe setting a boundary, they're actually describing an ultimatum. And I think I, it's probably the question I get asked more, most often. And I think it's probably the question people have the least understanding of how to carry out. How do I set my boundaries and dot, 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 and they get really lost in it. For me, my favorite definition is Brene Brown's definition, which is a boundary is what is okay or not okay for me. I can't decide what's okay for you. I can't make you do anything. I can decide very easily what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. Mm -hmm. The other thing I love that Brene talks about is that the most compassionate people have the best boundaries. And her philosophy behind that is if I set a boundary, I decide what's okay or what's not okay for me, and I communicate that to you, and then I allow you to just steamroll right over me, I am immediately angry with you, and my compassion has gone out the window for you. And the hardest people for us to set boundaries with are the ones who have harmed us. And so when we're tr- when we're looking at that and we're trying to figure out well, where does compassion fit into that it's in the reality that until we can really look at the people who cause us harm um through the lens of compassion and recognize that their behavior usually isn't about us it's usually about something going on with them mm-hmm. and they're projecting it onto us. Yes. And we get really caught up in that. Oh, absolutely. And then it makes it hard for us to know how to decide what's okay and what's not okay for me because it just feels like I'm being attacked. And so, of course, that's not okay, but maybe I'm not being attacked. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. Or mm-hmm. maybe they are, but this is a person that I don't even want a relationship with. Right. But I need to set a boundary with them. Either way... One of the things that she talks about when she talks about this topic is the fact that 
do are people really doing the best they can? Can we agree that people are doing the best they can with what they've got in this moment? And when we can look at even someone who's done something cruel to us or unkind to us, for instance, having I, I work with a lot of people with trauma and they come to the conversation afraid to talk about their parents because maybe they've resolved things with their parents, but it's so it's hard for them to acknowledge that their parents harmed them as children. And I always just start it by saying, listen, we can acknowledge your parents were doing the best they could based on what they knew at the time. And also their best was harmful to you. Mm-hmm. I don't need to vilify them. I don't need to make them bad. I don't need to do anything with them to acknowledge that their best was harmful. If I'm still in relationship with someone whose best is harmful to me, then I've got to be able to find the integrity to have to make a decision about what's best for me with that relationship. And if I need to communicate a boundary to that person, I need to be able to see them through the lens of compassion because by being able to do that, it gives me a different lens through which to say your best is harmful to me and I'm not going to be okay with that. You're not likely to use those words, but when you can see it through that lens, then you can decide is if, is this even a boundary that needs to be communicated? And if it is, what, what do you need to do for yourself? What integrity, what connection to your in- integrity do you need to find in order to have the words to set that boundary? Or is this a boundary that you just need to live and separate yourself from this person? A lot of times, we don't need to communicate it. We just need to get yes. out. I think that's so important because I think people often mistake like, you know, if I set a boundary, I have to go tell this person in a confrontational way. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's even what makes it feel like an ultimatum, like where I I can absolutely have a boundary and choose like, if this person does this again, I'm going to distance myself and I can do that without even explaining myself to them. Yeah. And I think most, when someone's really harmed you, most of the time, that's what we should do. I agree. Because we're opening ourselves up to being harmed again. Yeah. And if if we've not been able to remove ourselves from the situation, then there is an element of our own trauma and our own codependency that needs to be looked at before we expose ourselves to the, to the, the pull mm-hmm. or the dance. Yes. That we have with that person. I always call, you know, we replicate our families of origin mm-hmm. in our relationships in adulthood. And what we end up doing is we, we look at these relationships after they fail and we're like, why, why do I choose these people? And it's because it's the dance you know. You know, every step when the music's not even playing. Because you've danced it your whole childhood. You had to dance it to survive your childhood. And it becomes easy. There's nothing fun about getting on the dance floor and learning a new dance that everybody else already knows. Yeah. So if you can go, you're going to jump on the floor when it's your jam, when it's your one that you're good at. And that's what we do. We go to the thing that feels familiar. It feels actually comfortable to us because it's easier. 
Yeah. And then we replicate that pattern over and over and over again. And then we wonder why we don't know how to have the boundaries that we need to have. And it's because we're leaning back into that easy piece and we're ignoring all the signs and symptoms of someone that may not be healthy for us. So once we recognize the very first thing we need to do when we begin to see red flags in a relationship is start practicing boundaries then. Because what Mm -hmm. we typically do is sit back until it implodes. And then we're like, I need to set a boundary with this person. Uh, your boundary needed to be set when you first saw the red sign and you and you minimized it or justified it or did whatever you needed to do because it was easier than choosing yourself and choosing what was best for you and what was okay or not okay for you and standing up for that or walking away from that. Totally. Yeah. That's that's such a good distinction. I love that. So past, we've talked about boundaries from the direction of where I stop and you start. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a place for looking at boundaries that way. But I think that gets really muddy when you just when you're talking about intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, avoidance of conflict is an avoidance of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Conflict's hard. Yes. But it's necessary. And a healthy relationship is not a conflict-free one. It's one where we do conflict well. And so if we don't know how, if I don't know what's okay for me, if I haven't done my work around my codependence or anything else, I'm not going to know what's okay for me or what's not okay for me. I'm mm-hmm. just going to take what I get. I'm going to follow the pattern of what I think relationships are supposed to look like. And if I truly am doing my own work, I'm going to know what's okay for me or what's not okay for me. I'm going to choose people in relationship who honor that. And if they don't, through their own trauma or their own mistakes, then I'm going to be able to say, hey, that's just not okay. Mm-hmm. This is what I need from this. Yeah. And if they can't show up in that and respect that, there's your answer right now. Is this the relationship you want to keep pursuing? Totally. Yeah. And then, you know... You make you make a move. You make yes. a decision from there. You don't then attempt to change them. That's it. The people I hear say, I don't have very good boundaries, are the people who are afraid to make the move. Yeah. Because they don't know they're worthy of it. This always uh, goes back so to the piece. If I know I'm worthy yes. of having a healthy relationship, then I'm not going to stay in one that's not for very long. So true. That doesn't mean I don't give that person opportunity to grow. You know, I always say, you just need a willing partner. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You're not going to get a perfect partner. No, you won't. But if you've got a willing one, Mm -hmm. if they pursue growth on the level that you pursue growth, if they value growth on the level that you value growth, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Because then there's room to get there. And you're going to go at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable. But when you're in a situation where... You're never, ever at the same pace as your partner yeah. because you're not moving in the same direction. That's on you on some level yeah. because you've stayed thinking you could get them to be what you wanted them to be. And they're not interested. No. They're perfectly fine just like they are. And it becomes, you know, also tricky when it's a relationship where – you don't necessarily have a choice about the structure of the relationship. For yeah. example, parents, right? Like yeah. I can't decide, well, these parents are not, 
you know, we're not at yep. the same level of growth, so I'll find new parents. Like, right. they're the only ones I get. Um, and, you know, that's, I think, where boundaries are so important, too, because we then get to decide at what level of engagement am I at in this relationship, you know? That's so valuable. Yeah. Think about it this way. Disney has sold us on the belief that family is everything. Yeah. Nobody gets left behind in families. And the truth (laughs) is, sometimes we need to be able to leave some people behind, even Uh, if they're family. And it might be your mom and dad. It might be your mom and dad. It may be Or it might look like like a boundary that I have set up with a family member that I find toxic. I won't be alone with that person. Yes. So I'll I'll be at a family function. Um, and this is not because of abuse. This is just mm-hmm. because of toxicity mm-hmm. and manipulation. But like we can be in groups because yeah. I can't be cornered. You know, I can't um, – a confrontation is less likely likely to happen in a large group setting. Yeah. And then I'm out and I'm I'm watching my positioning and their positioning and when it, you know, when things are dying down, I'm going to give a French goodbye and leave. <laughs> yes, you know. And yeah, absolutely. I have a family member that I won't talk about anything beyond superficialities with. Yes, I, I have that same because if as well. I go any deeper, mm-hmm. it it's going to go to a place where I'm attacked or demeaned or it's just going to go south yeah and i've gone it's been almost 30 years about 27 years i've managed to hold that boundary with this person we have a cordial relationship that's as good as it's ever going to be yep yeah and that's okay and you don't have to feel bad you Mm -hmm. don't have to feel like you failed um you don't have to feel like you're not meeting up to some disney or lifetime movie expectation of what family means because that's not the hand you were dealt no. And you may need to grieve it. I oh, did. Yeah. I, you may need, you probably will need to grieve it. Yeah. And that's going to feel really confusing at times. Yeah. But when we give ourselves room for that, it makes it, it's the only way I would have been able to sustain it this long. I feel like yeah. I grieved that for so long. I agree. And now I'm at an acceptance of it that this is just how it is. And he's not a willing partner. He's mm-hmm. not interested in growth. And yeah. that's okay. It's okay. And I'd, but I get to decide what mm-hmm. part of me he gets. Yes. And it's very, very, very little. Yep. All right. Well, we will start a thread on this in the Selfie Podcast community because I would love to hear what boundaries other people have put forth with family members, with friends, with partners, what that looks like. Because I think it's helpful to hear really practically, like nuts and bolts, what does this look like? So please join us in that conversation over there. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.